0: Hi there, and welcome to the Jeff MacArthur podcast for Monday, October the 19th. Coming up, we'll talk to music expert Eric Elper about a bunch of music news headlines. Also coming up, we'll talk with lawyer Nanish Kotek about the impact of COVID-19 on auto insurance in the province. And Dr. Sumon Chakrabarti will join us to talk about COVID outbreaks at three different Toronto hospitals. All of that coming up right now on The Pod. Let's lighten things up a little bit on this Monday afternoon because there's a bunch of music news happening today. And here's our music expert, Eric Elper, who joins us now on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Eric, good afternoon. Good afternoon.
1: I have no idea what I'm going to do with these 17 boxes of Halloween candy in York Region, but I guess we have to get all.
0: Yeah, everybody trying to figure it out uh, for sure. Uh, Adele's got something figured out. She shocked the internet uh, late yesterday, posting online that uh, she's actually going to host SNL this weekend, Eric. Yeah, I think it even shocked Adele. Um, you know, or she's often
1: said in interviews that she's always wanted to act. And more importantly, she's always wants to do something in the comedy world. Um, you know, she's acted before in her videos, most notably in the last major song that she had with Hello and the video. Um, but she's going to be performing and hosting this weekend's SNL with her, H E R. As, uh, the musical guest, so I have a feeling this is going to be really good. I, I think she, you know, if there's anybody that had kind of played and toyed around with um the musical stature and the legendary status that she has, it's her. And uh, so this is going to be really interesting and fascinating to watch this weekend,
0: yeah. I thought it really interesting and fascinating, Adele's for lack of a better word, a business plan because she seems to, like, dominate the planet for like a year or so with a new album and then she takes some a down time, and then she comes uh, back for her next round of domination
1: yeah and, and it's kind of refreshing a little bit to know that she's an artist that don't require living space in our mind 24 hours a day seven days a week um you know she's disappeared for a number of years, except for posting on Instagram here and there. Um, She's, of course, she's posted about her massive weight loss that she has uh, undertaken in the last couple of years, and also um, her recent divorce, which was pretty quiet. Um, And, you know, living in the UK, especially where the Fleet Street gossip newspapers clamor over somebody like Adele every single day if they had their wish. Um, She kind of had a very much a low profile, but uh, uh, waking up to the news this morning, it's kind of got me excited about Saturday night.
0: Yeah, absolutely. By the way, you can catch it on Global, of course, Saturday night at 1130, Adele hosting uh, SNL. And, She really seems to play by her own rules, uh, Eric, because I'm sure that, you know, the music business and executives would love a single, a new single every three, four months. And that's what a lot of artists do. But uh, again, she just really seems to have her own playbook where, listen, I'm going to release this uh, when I'm ready and uh, the world uh, will be ready for it uh, as well.
1: Yeah, and it's not even a playbook. I I think that she just does what she wants to do, regardless of rules or how other people release music or release any form of entertainment. Um, The last time that she released her 25 album, she gave the world a teaser in in the closing credits of a reality show which was brilliant because nobody was doing that. So it's not like that, you know, she sees what other people are doing and, and follows them, you know, whether it's posting about her physical appearance or her sheer devotion to Beyonce and her own quirky style. She's definitely somebody that thinks about and uh, uh, thinks about how she things are going to look and kind of deal with it don't forget this is a performer that got banned by her own management for posting on twitter because she was posting drug in the middle of the night so she's somebody that definitely you know you you don't tell Adele what to do and certainly she's made a lot of great decisions so I I would think that this is going to be another one
0: all right meantime Fleetwood Max rumors is back on the charts after a uh, well bit of a break a 42-year break, and it's all thanks, Eric, to a skateboarding TikTok video that went viral.
1: I love this. You can The sound that you hear are marketing executives in big boardrooms in Toronto and New York and London tearing their hair out, wanting their own product and their own videos to go viral. And here comes along some guy from Indiana who um, – is being pulled on a skateboard, drinking from a bottle of ocean spray juice, and singing Fleawood Mac's Dreams. Well, 250 million views later, the Fleawood Mac album Rumors, where Dreams, the song comes from, is back on the Billboard Top 10 chart. It debuted went from number 13 to number seven this week after a 42 year wait. Um, astounding. This is the stuff that you can't pay for. And in fact, Mick Fleetwood and Stevie Nicks of Fleetwood Mac have made their own tribute clips to the viral video. So that's when you know that things are getting very meta in the music world where people are parodying the parroting of a video that was just done for giggles, really.
0: Yeah, and what does this say about music marketing moving forward? I mean, particularly TikTok's uh, influence here. I mean, are we seeing a bit of a uh, shift? Uh, used to be when rumors, you know, first hit their airwaves back in the mid, late uh, 70s, it was music programmers and radio DJs that were picking songs to play over the airwaves that really influenced everyone. Well, now it seems like it's uh, shifted, and TikTok is uh, really speaking volumes when it comes to music and what people are listening to and buying.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't even matter if you post a video and you're an influencer of 45 million followers on TikTok or if you have four. Like, the ability for you to post and cross your fingers and hope that other people see it is a lesson for a lot of people out there on social media, especially as the U.S. elections get very, very heated, is that you never know where their tweet or your post is going to land. Um, and it puts, it puts the power... Not necessarily back, because we never really had it, but it puts the power in everybody's hand so much so that you can actually create another wave of excitement over a song that came out back in 1977. It's kind of astounding. You know, I tell bands all the time, I don't know anything. I kind of know something, but I don't know how to make this video go viral. And they look at me like oh, well, maybe you're not the right one. It's like, no, no, no. Like, nobody does. So I'm going to always bring up this example from Forevermore on, you know, just never being able to quite know what's going to hit and why.
0: Absolutely. All right, Fleetwood Mac's Rumors, is one of, if not the best album of all time. And finally, NME, the Music, a Trade Pub- Publication, they have just listed the top albums of the 1980s. Their number one pick... The Joshua Tree from U2, which is a good album, and I love U2. I don't think I've seen any band more in concert than U2, Eric, but is The Joshua Tree really the best album of the 80s?
1: I think it's one of those albums that put the seriousness back into rock and roll. It allowed rock and roll in the 80s to mean something again, especially coming off of Band-Aid and Live Aid, where music truly and really changed the world, putting the emphasis on what was going on in Africa, raising hundreds of millions of dollars. And here along comes U2, who's kind of followed already with their debut album, Boy, in October, that actually had a touchstone of political stances. Well, here's a song and an album called With or Without You that's a love song, and I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And then you have songs like Mothers of the Disappeared and Red Hill Mining Town, which touches on topics of crimes by dictatorships or the miner strike, things that people in North America aren't really supposed to really know about or think about, but it was so big in terms of size, um, in terms of, cinematography of an album it was really truly remarkable that this album never got made and of course it had that canadian connection with daniel Lenoir from hamilton ontario producing it i don't think it's the best album to be honest with you i still think it's either songs from the big chair by cheer for fears or michael jackson's thriller from 1982
0: yeah i was going to throw out just one word thriller <laughs> after that uh, i think we could we could argue about the rest but probably thriller the biggest and most influential of the 80s. As a matter of fact, I would say Thriller and Michael Jackson moonwalking during the Motown 25th uh, celebration, that is number one when it comes to albums and kind of music moments for me in the 80s. I could argue number two would be Joshua Tree and maybe uh, U2's Live Aid performance as a uh, second performance of the moonwalk.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of artists after the Joshua Tree came out realized that they couldn't just sing about silly love songs and have it mean as much as following in the footsteps of Bono and The Edge creating the Joshua Tree. I think music had to stand for something. You you know, people couldn't be afraid anymore to speak of issues that were on the front page of newspapers and it was truly an album michael jackson thriller which is some of the greatest songs that have ever been written put together in an album but in terms of influence even the number three album of this list the stone roses which you know a lot of people may not know about but you know without the stone roses debut album you don't have oasis you don't have blur You don't have that whole Manchester scene um, and leading rock and dance forming together for the first time in decades. So that was a pretty influential record as well. But I got no problem with anything of this list, really, when when I really think about it. I I just know I'm going to go back to listen to that whole top 50 all over again.
0: Yeah, they're all great. Absolutely. And do you think somewhere... Bono is sitting around hoping somebody grabs their fruit punch and a skateboard and listens to Where the Streets Have No Name. <laughs>
1: I, think, I think Bono might actually do that. I mean, how ridiculous would it be with somebody like Bono? You know, he could probably get away with it as long as he gets a wink and a nod saying, I know I'm too smart for this, but I'm going to do it
0: anyway.
1: <laughs> and, you know, damn Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher for all that they've done.
0: <laughs> Eric, great stuff as always. Thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Jeff. We'll
0: talk soon. you got a music expert, Eric Elper. Okay, if you're in your car listening right now, this is probably not breaking news, but here in this province in Ontario, we have some of the highest car insurance premiums in the country. And while driving has uh, been reduced for many thanks to the pandemic, what is not down is auto insurance rates. As a matter of fact, a new survey out says that auto rates have actually gone up 30 bucks since December of last year. For more on this, Nanish Kotak joins us from Kotak Personal Injury Law here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Nanish, good afternoon. How are you?
2: I'm great, thank you very much.
0: Appreciate your time. Uh, what are uh, auto insurance insurance companies are saying about this? How are they justifying uh, the fact that they're charging us more, yet uh, a lot of folks are driving less?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure if they can really justify it. You know, they have the usual lines. They say, well, uh, there's fraud. Well, you know, that's the line they've been using for many, many years, and the answer would be okay. Prove it. Show us exactly what what that is that is costing you. You know, the reality is, you know, it, when you need to save thirty dollars per policy. That amounts to a hundred and ninety-eight million dollar increase during COVID. So this is from December of two thousand nineteen until uh, mid so June of two thousand and twenty. Despite you know you see in the uh, Fisra Financial uh, uh, Services Regulatory Authority website praising insurance companies for. A billion dollars in rebates, but even with these alleged uh, rebates, which I, which I certainly haven't seen, um, the uh, premiums have gone up, and the stats are are very clear from MTO, Ministry of Transportation of Ontario, that the claims are dramatically down. You know, for example, in April there was forty eight hundred and twelve claims. That means property damage, personal injury, or fatality as compared to the same in 2019 of 14,166. And yes, you know, you go into June, uh, it has, you know, there there have been more accidents, but still nowhere near the comparable period uh, for 2019. But here we are, you know, have premiums are, are still going up, but their uh, still improving uh, uh, rate increases. So, you know, uh, Jeff, what we're really lacking, I think, in this province is is a lack of transparency. And a sense of really, I think, hopelessness on behalf of the general public. Well, here we go again. Nothing I can do about it. And and but the question is, why does this keep happening? It's really a lack of accountability. FITSRA, the Financial Services Regul- Regulatory Authority, one of their mandates, in fact, is to promote good administration of insurance and pension plans, promote the transparency and and disclosure of information. But unfortunately, in in, in my opinion, I you know, and you look at the premiums going up, you're you're not in fact seeing this. And, and, uh, you know, it's all on the backs of the uh, Ontario uh, residents.
0: Yeah, well, listen, Andy, you're absolutely right. I'm sure people listening right now are feeling helpless once again. They're throwing their hands in the air. What can you possibly do? Because as you well know, you've got to have it. You have to have auto insurance to be able to drive a car uh, in this province, uh, in this country. And it's also somewhat ironic. I think we're talking about the number 30, $30 increase since December of last year, because it was just last week that Premier Ford was going on about the 30% commission rate of food delivery services. So since we're talking about that number again, uh, does the Premier need to step up and call out some of these auto insurance companies? Does the government need to do something for drivers in this province?
2: Uh, You know, FISRA is supposed to be an arm's-length organization that would approve the increases, but it does respond or it reports to the Minister of Finance so I do think it would be the minister's uh, calling here to, to, to you know, to, to, to look at this and say, wait a minute, things are not working. And, you know, it's a, it's a tax, really. Let's face it. You have to have auto insurance, as you say. It's a product. And the product we're buying keeps getting chewed away at. You know, under the Wynn government, between 2010 and 2017, there were 17 cuts to the auto product. That means what somebody gets if they're hurt, how much treatment they get. But the premiums keep on going up. From 2017 to 2019, we're talking about 20 percent increase in insurance premiums, despite coverage being reduced. So, I, absolutely, Jeff, something has to be done. Uh, certainly, certainly was not done done under the wind government. It got a heck of a lot worse under the wind government. And you know, the the, the hope is that uh, uh, Premier Ford and And uh, Minister Downey would actually, uh, you know, really pay attention to this because these are serious election issues, you know, when when people hear, wait a minute, everybody else is sacrificing, you know, businesses are losing money, what are the restaurants, right? Why is it auto insurers are exempt from this? Why should they keep on getting profit after profit after profit every year on the backs of Ontario residents? This is a real issue. Someone's got to answer for
0: it. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people would like to own a business in which everybody is forced to have your uh, product. And uh, on top of it all, you can then, uh, yes, you're right, uh, offer less while uh, charging uh, more, as you put there, uh, Nanish. So, I mean, this has got some uh, real implications and some real consequences because there's a lot of families hurting right now due to the uh, pandemic. So do you think that uh, we're really going to finally see some change when it comes to auto insurance premiums in this province?
2: You know, if you ask me this question, look at it in a historical context. Unfortunately, I would say, you know, as a realist, we probably won't see any. But I think, you know, if if the government is going to look at this in terms of uh, how it's reacting and helping, you know, uh, certain businesses uh, and individuals, maybe we will we, we will see something. But you know, they got a big lobby. Let's face it, insurance, insurance industry is a big lobby. They got they've got a lot of money, and and it really is is that lobby is so powerful. Uh, uh, but, you know, it causes one to be a little, little pe- uh, pessimist- uh, pessimistic about the uh, about the, uh, potential for reductions, in fact.
0: Well, it goes without saying, we will continue to watch this with interest. Nanish Kotak from Kotak Personal Injury Law, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Take care. Okay, lots of breaking news and COVID headlines to go over on this Monday afternoon. Always a pleasure to welcome to the show Dr. Sumon Shakrabati. He joins us, infectious disease specialist here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Dr. Shakrabati, how are you, sir? Good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm well. I want to start with the news regarding Halloween and the fact that Ontario health officials recommending today that those that are in modified stage 2, the likes of us here in Toronto, most recently York region, should not go door-to-door trick-or-treating. What is your take on this, uh, Doctor? Do you think those in so-called hot spots uh, should cancel Halloween?
3: You know, I I heard the decision, and I'm disappointed with it. Uh, I don't think it makes really a lot of sense. You know, maybe in a place where you're in a condo and doing indoor trick-or-treating, that's not going to be very safe. But outdoor trick-or-treating with kids, you know, there's certain things that we certainly can do to mitigate the risk. You know, stay with your family, don't go onto a crowded porch, you know, get your candy and get out of there. But I really don't think that uh, having to cancel it, or at least really recommending we cancel it altogether, is is the way to go here.
0: The fact that, uh, you know, in neighborhoods it's outdoor, I mean, you mentioned uh, condos, and I know a lot of condos, as a matter of fact, I know my building does this, that they just hand out uh, candy uh, with the the door person uh, at the front. You don't go uh, floor to floor. Uh, But the fact that traditional and neighborhood trick-or-treating is an outdoor activity, is it inherently uh, safer like so many other activities outdoors during this time frame?
1: Absolutely.
3: And this kind of uh, uh, smacks to me of what happened before when they had the outdoor playgrounds closed. You know, to be fair, it was when we didn't know as much about the virus. But these things are very, very low risk settings. Yes, we need to look at the risk. We can mitigate it quite easily. And I think that, look, when you're a kid, you go onto someone's porch to get candy. What's the first thing you do? You want to get the heck out of there and look in the bag and see what you got, right? So we have to remember, you have to have prolonged contact with somebody in an enclosed space to get COVID. The you know, one minute or less that you're on the, the patio, I don't think uh, constitutes a high risk.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you, too, about the parallel, because I've got several emails from listeners this afternoon, Doctor, comparing door-to-door trick-or-treating to door trick or treating to drive throughs and that they're still open. Essentially, they're passing you things through the window into your car. Is there any difference uh, between the two?
3: That's a good comparison, actually. And I would say that, uh, again, the risk is is small to none. Uh, another thing we do know is that uh, you can't really spread COVID effectively by touching objects. You know, there's all sorts of people talking about doing different things with candy. If you pass candy to someone, unless you have COVID, you sneeze right on it, somebody then touches that and then touches their nose immediately, you're not going to pass it that way. So I think these are a lot of things that people are, you know, the, the priority of where the risk mitigation is is not... Currently, I think in the, in the proper
1: uh, orientation.
0: All right. In the meantime, the other big headline is the fact that there's COVID outbreaks at not one, not two, but three Toronto hospitals that we're dealing with uh, currently. What does this mean, Doctor, for these hospitals and for the healthcare system overall?
3: Yeah, nobody likes hearing about these outbreaks, but, you know, the hospitals are the epicenter of where these uh, cases are going to go, so occasionally you'll see them. It is an indication, though, that we know that we've had increasing community spread, especially in the GTA, so that's a reflection of that. If there's any one bright spot to it is that, look, we have really, really good protocols in the hospitals. These cases were identified quickly, and the transmission chains were uncovered, and they're working right now to get to the bottom of this. So it should be dealt with quickly. The system works, but, you know, we don't want to be seeing this and it it is a kind of a wider indication that yeah COVID is back in uh, especially the GTA and uh, it's a good thing that we're having measures right now to bring that down
0: yeah I've uh, read that this afternoon as well and maybe you can kind of connect the dots for me and others why is the fact that we've had outbreaks in a couple of different hospitals in the Toronto area why is that an indicator that uh, perhaps we're seeing wider community spread
3: usually hospitalizations of multiple COVID patients, that's indicative that there's more COVID happening in the community is it's a lagging marker. So let's say if you have more uh, increased the number of COVID in the community, eventually some of those people are going to get sick enough to come to hospital. Hospital is a lagging marker. So if you're starting to see that, it means that there's COVID burning in the community. And I can tell you from across the, the province, we are seeing slow but steady increase in hospitalizations. And this is the reason why we're starting to see, you know, restrictions, the happy Uh, mainly in the gta for now but we might see some more in other places in southwestern ontario
0: all right dr shakrabati i'm completely out of time but thank you as always uh, for yours good to talk with you again and we'll talk soon
1: thanks for having me take care
0: you as well dr sumon shakrabati with us this afternoon and just a reminder that you can listen to the show live weekday afternoons from one till three eastern just tune in at 640 toronto.com also find us on spotify search my name jeff MacArthur. Or download us wherever you find your favorite podcasts.